Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Through education, motivation, and implementation, we will bridge the gap between knowing and doing so we can master fat loss naturally and help you reach your highest potential. Let's get started. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back. We are going to be taking a bit of a deeper dive into a topic that I sent an email out about a couple of weeks ago. Not even a couple of weeks ago, I guess. So for everybody on my VIP email list, you saw an email a couple Sundays ago about travel strategies. Travel strategies specifically for the airport because, as I shared in the email, the airport used to be a major binge moment for me. I tended to lose control in the airport and overeat and then start and end my trip feeling totally awful. And I got a lot of response from that email that the tips were very helpful. And it just so happens that um, I've been doing a good bit of travel lately. And I wanted to talk not just about the airport strategies, but hotel strategies and restaurant strategies. And this has been a little bit of a theme lately because I did do uh, an episode on eating out strategies not long ago. But I want to address travel in general because for many people, just like for me with airports, travel can be a total free-for-all. But it doesn't have to be. Now, if if you if it's a free-for-all and you want it to be, that's totally cool. Go for it, right? And no judgment here. If you want to throw caution to the wind when you're away and eat with abandon, go for it. Nobody is judging you. But if you're going to feel like crap about it, or if you're deciding ahead of time, I'm going to do really well, and then you feel like you don't have control over your choices, then I want to help you get control so that you can feel good about it. So, Either choose not to feel guilty about your choices or choose behavior that you're not going to feel guilty about. And if you travel regularly, you absolutely have to work towards improving your travel, eating, and activity habits. You just have to. And for me, this is a reality. I cannot have a trip. I mean, I could have one trip, but I can't have the strategy that I used to have of, oh, I'm away from home. I'll, I'll dial it back in when I get home just because of the frequency of my travel, right? But for some people, if you're taking one trip a year and you really want it to be a free-for-all, there's no judgment. You know, hey, it's your choice. That's cool. No worries at all. Enjoy it. Don't feel guilty about it. But for me, I had to really learn how to make travel a time that would still allow me to make progress towards my goals, not be a pause moment and certainly not be a backwards moment. And I used to get really anxious about it, and I hear that from you guys all the time, but I want to say this, and this is from my own experience in changing my habits significantly related to travel. It doesn't have to be scary, and if you avoid it because you think you can't make good choices, 
then you're setting yourself up to really struggle with that for the rest of your life. We can't just lose weight in a bubble, right? I won't go out with my friends. I'm not going to travel because I don't have control. When the reality of the situation is that you have control everywhere. You have control everywhere. Whether you're making the food or somebody else is making the food, you always have control. And I want you to feel confident in every situation, whether you're home, whether you're at work, whether you're at a party, whether you're out of town, whether you're in a different country. I want you to feel like, doesn't matter, wherever I am, I know how to make the very best choices. And I get a lot of emails from people who feel anxious about travel and it doesn't have to be that way. It's certain, and when I say it used to be a struggle for me, I mean even very recently. I don't like being away from my home gym. I, I admittedly, even now, even though I have developed a lot of strategies to allow me to continue to make progress towards my goals no matter where I am, my preference is not to be away. My preference is to be with my own refrigerator and my own cooking utensils and my personal trainer. So I get the sort of like, oh, but I do feel like I can make great choices wherever I am. There are some very uh, specific strategies that I've put together that I want to share with you. And as I mentioned, I sent out my airport tips to people on the VIP list, but I'm going to review them here. And then I'm going to go into some hotel strategies that I haven't yet talked about. I think it's really important to master the hotel because the other part of making good choices is you want to do it without spending a million bucks, right? You don't want to feel like you have to pay more for these good choices. And so a trip that could be inexpensive if you were eating crap becomes very expensive because you're investing so much in good choices. It doesn't have to be more expensive. So I want to talk about this from a money savings perspective as well as from a fat loss and fitness perspective. So first I want to review the airport strategies that I sent out to my list a little bit ago. Then I want to talk about hotel strategies. And then I want to take a different spin on the rest restaurant strategies. I talked exclusively about food choices at different restaurant types uh, a week or two ago, but there are some slight nuances when you're going to be eating repeatedly at restaurants as opposed to just one night out in your hometown. All right, so let's start by talking about airports, and this is something that I have shared with you before. To say that it was a free-for-all for me in airports is an understatement. It was a weird, it was, this is what it was. It was almost like I thought that food was my only form of entertainment in an airport. Like, I mean, what am I going to do during my layover? What am I going to do while I'm sitting on the plane, right? I felt like I had to have food to entertain me all the time. Well, really with your pre-flight time and then your flight time and then any layover time and then, you know, additional flight time, it was really gross, to be honest with you. And I'm not talking like, oh, I don't usually eat a bag of chips, but I would eat a bag of chips at the airport. No, I'm talking like I would take advantage of everything. I would stuff myself stupid, whether it was Annie Annie's pretzels or Cinnabon or going into Hudson News. And, and I, when I would go into a place like Hudson News where you have you know candy and magazines and stuff, it wasn't enough for me to get 
one thing of candy. I had to really consider, okay, well, if I want something chocolate, what's my chocolate option? Oh, but you know, then the chocolate's going to be gone. I feel like I should get something like chewy and I feel like I should get something crunchy. And so I would buy literally three or four things and I would do this repeatedly on every single trip. And not only was I not choosing foods I really love, like none of that stuff I would consider a 10. In fact, close, most of it is less than a five. It's not amazing. And when I, when I say that, for those of you who aren't familiar, I'm talking about rating your indulgences on a scale of one to 10 and really going for what is truly worth it. And the stuff I was picking was not truly worth it. It was just there. And I used it as a distraction. And now, I mean, thank God I don't do that anymore, but I would get to wherever I was going and I would feel bloated and I would have very low energy and I would be really mad at myself. I would have a lot of guilt because I was embarrassed by my choices and I just didn't feel well. And I, I can't even begin to tell you how much, thank God, my travel habits have improved, but it didn't happen overnight and... I never once made the change from out of control binging to perfection. First of all, like I say all the time, I don't even know what perfection is. I don't know what perfection looks like. I don't strive for perfection, but I have made a lot of very significant changes. And again, these are ones I shared on my VIP list, and then we'll switch into some really new content related to my hotel strategies. <clears throat> but I do want to review these because we've got a lot more people listening to the podcast than we do on the VIP email list. Why is that? Won't you jump over on the VIP email list? I swear I'm interesting and slightly entertaining, and I think a lot of the stuff I share is valuable, so go ahead and do it already. I keep saying it. Just do it. All right, so some of the changes that I've made to help me be more successful in airports and on flights. A lot of it is I don't tell myself I am an out-of-control airport eater. I have no control in the airport. Because remember, when you argue for those limitations, you get to keep them. And so for the longest time, I was not excited to travel because I knew that I was out of control in the airport. And so what happens when I got to the airport? I was out of control. It was not a good situation. So a big part of what I changed, and I didn't put this in the email, is really my thoughts and beliefs about it. And I didn't say, I make perfect choices in the airport, or I always fast when I'm at the airport, because that wasn't true. But I would say, I do not eat foods I do not love. And quite frankly, I do not love Twizzlers, but I would eat them before. I do not love Reese's Pieces, but I would eat them before. I do not love a lot of what I would eat, but I ate it because it was there and because I wanted to not be bored, which is crazy because then I was just temporarily satisfied and long-term miserable. But I changed my thought process. The other thing that I did was I started to fly as early in the day as possible, as opposed to just picking whatever flight is least expensive or most convenient. I really try hard to fly earlier in the day. And I do this because I have more energy and focus and willpower in the morning than I do later in the day. And this is true for all of us. Now, I happen to be a real big morning person, right? But the reality is that our energy, our focus, and our willpower get depleted throughout the day. And the other thing is our stress tends to build throughout the day. So when I would travel in the late afternoon or evening, chances are I was more stressed and I had less energy and less focus and willpower and I didn't have the day ahead to sort of protect it was just whatever at this point, just get me home. And I'm more likely to make those not so great choices when I'm tired, when I'm stressed, when I have less willpower. So for me, 
A simple scheduling change has me in a better mood in the morning. I have more willpower. I have more focus. And here's the other thing. I'm less hungry in the morning than I am later in the day. And this is, this is not necessarily true for everybody. And so you, this goes back to, as always, doing what works for you. But here's what I've noticed about my body. And I have also seen this with a lot of my clients. I am hungrier after I eat first for the day. So the longer I can go without eating, the less hungry I feel. Now, I don't extend a fast very significantly very often because of my workout schedule and I, I need to eat uh, because I expend a lot of energy in the morning. But what I notice on travel days is if I eat at, say, 6 o'clock in the morning, then I'm more hungry at 8 a.m. than I would be if I hadn't eaten yet at 8 a.m. I don't know if I'm explaining that well, but my point is I'm less hungry in the mornings, and so it's easier for me to avoid that temptation because I have more willpower and less hunger. So I will schedule my flights early in the day whenever possible, and that simple scheduling change helps me to make better choices, okay? The other thing is, I, this is, this is a psychological thing, but it makes a big difference. I used to exclusively travel in yoga pants and sneakers and a t-shirt or a sweatshirt because I wanted to be comfortable and that was paramount, right? But the problem with that is you don't feel physically uncomfortable as much in yoga pants when you overeat as you do if you're in a really well-fitting pair of jeans and a blazer or something that is more structured and more fitted. So that is part of it. The other part of it is when you walk past a mirror and you are in clothes that flatter your figure, whether that's your figure at 300 pounds or your figure at 125 pounds, it doesn't matter. If you walk past the mirror and you know you're dressed well, you feel a little bit better about yourself than if you walk past the mirror and you look like a slouch. Now, I'm not saying that everybody that wears yoga pants and a sweatshirt looks like a slouch, but I think you get what I'm going for here. When I wear clothes that fit me well and are slightly more structured, not only do I feel better about the way I look and that contributes to making better food choices, but I am also much more aware of physically stuffing myself because my clothes become much more uncomfortable than they would if I was wearing yoga pants and a sweatshirt. So I want to feel great about the way that I look, and I want my clothes to say, you can't go to town here on alcohol and chips and cookies and ice cream and whatever else that you used to eat in the airport because I would be extremely uncomfortable doing that in a tight-fitting pair of jeans and a blazer, but you've got a lot more room for stretch when you're in yoga pants, right? The other thing that I try to do is stick to my normal eating pattern. Now, the other day I had a 5 a.m. flight and that, you know, meant getting up very, very early. Do I normally eat at 3 a.m.? No. So why would I eat just because I was awake? Do I normally eat at 5 a.m.? No. So would I eat just because I was sitting at the airport and places were opening up that had food? No. So I try really hard to stick to my normal eating schedule as opposed to just eating because there is an opportunity to eat. Does that make sense? I wouldn't normally have a morning snack. I would have a breakfast that sustains me and then I wouldn't eat again till lunch. So why would I have a snack 
just because there is food available. I think we tend to eat more when we're traveling because we are bored and because there are so many options. You can't walk 10 feet in an airport without bumping into somebody who is selling food. So we go into this kind of mode of opportunity eating because, gosh, there's all these food options and then we're sort of creatures of, of habit and we follow the flock and all the people are going to all the places that have all the food. And so we find ourselves eating a lot more frequently and a lot differently just because of the opportunity. So I know my normal eating pattern. On a day that I'm not working out, I might not have breakfast because I'm just not hungry. So why would I feel the need to have breakfast and a snack just because there's a ton of food around. I try very hard to stick to my normal eating pattern. The other thing that I make very much a conscious effort to do is to think ahead about my triggers and then avoid them. So why in the world would I go into a shop like Hudson News if I know that in the past I have walked out of there with four or five different bags of candy? And I'm not exaggerating. So I don't even want to introduce the temptation. And the reality is that we go into this debate. We'll decide ahead of time, I'm not going to eat junk or I'm not going to drink. And then once we're in the situation, we start the internal debate. Should I? Shouldn't I? Maybe a little? Blah, blah, blah. That debate won't happen if you don't engage in the conversation, right? The other thing that I've done before is I will hide my wallet in a very difficult to get to place, right? And, and and this is, you know, some people put like their credit cards in ice blocks. I wouldn't check my wallet because if my checked bag gets lost, that's kind of a headache. But I would put it, say, at the very, very bottom of my carry-on. So I'd have to like set the suitcase down, open it up, pull a bunch of stuff out to get the wallet. All I really need if I've decided I'm not going to be hungry, so I'm not going to eat, or I've packed a protein bar, so if I get hungry, that's what I'm going to have, and then I'm going to drink water on the plane the flight attendant brings around, or whatever else, coffee. This way, I have my driver's license, and I'll, I'll tuck my driver's license in my bra. Um, I mean, I guess, gentlemen, you could put it in your pocket pretty easily. But I will make my wallet, my source of money, difficult to get to, and this is one I didn't put in the email, but... It, just thinking about you know things that I've done recently, uh, so that it is just not that easy. And you can do this too if you're an impulse shopper at the airport too, right? If you're somebody that buys random magazines and then you flip through it and you go, God, why did I do this again? I hate magazines. All they are is advertisements. Or you buy books that you'll never read or you buy jewelry. Who, who Did people buy jewelry at the airport? I'm always surprised when I see those places there and I'm like, who buys this stuff? But anyway, I digress. So I, I know my triggers and I consciously avoid them. I am not gonna go to the yogurt shop just just to see if they have a good option. Why? That is something that in the past has been a trigger for me and I'm going to consciously avoid it. The other thing I do at airports is I skip the sugar and the starch. Now, this is something that I often do at home as well, but it's even more important to me at the airport because I tend to be a lot less active on travel days than on non-travel days. Especially if I'm flying in the morning, that means chances are that I didn't get my workout in that day and I might not have an opportunity when I get to wherever I'm going. So the reality is, I just don't need as much fuel in my system when I am traveling. I'm much more sedentary and 
I often don't get a workout in. So I am absolutely positively going to skip the sugar and the starch. The other thing about sugar and starch for me and many people is that they trigger hunger and cravings. So I need less fuel and I do not want to be battling hunger and cravings. So I will very deliberately skip sugar and starch and anything that really tastes sweet, really, if I can, on travel days and at the airports. So the other thing that I do, and this will probably get a lot of eye rolls, and I'm totally okay with that, is I avoid sitting during layovers. Everybody sits, right? They sit down with their computer, they sit down with their phone, they're listening to music, they're talking on the phone, they're doing some work, and that's great. I'm all for productivity. But to me, productivity is not just about work. It's also about feeling good about my body. And I'm gonna, I have to be sitting on the plane. There's no option to like get up and pace anymore on the plane. So I avoid sitting during the layovers. Whenever possible, I'll walk between the terminals. Is it a pain in the butt if you've got a purse and a carry-on or a, a briefcase and a carry-on? Yeah, of course it is. But I also know that I need to move. I absolutely need to move. So if I have 20 minutes before boarding, I'll walk around and catch up on phone calls while I'm walking instead of parking my butt in a chair and doing work because I can park my butt in a chair and do work on the plane, right? I move whenever I can. I take the, um, I'll walk between terminals instead of taking the shuttle or the moving sidewalk or anything like that. And I'll also tell you that I have on many occasions done lunges or bodyweight squats or sit-ups at empty gates, right? And I don't do, I'm not, I, hey, if you want to do it at a super crowded gate, more power to you. That's awesome. I tend to, there are often many gates, depending on the time that you travel, that have nobody at them. And I feel better when I've been a little bit active. So yeah, I'll do some walking lunges. I'll do some body weight squats. I'll get on the floor. I'll do some sit-ups or some push-ups. And I just feel better when I do that. But at a minimum, I am going to walk. I am going to walk between the four or five terminals or jog if I'm, if I'm Russian instead of taking the moving sidewalk or the shuttle because we're just more sedentary on travel days and we got to get up and move when we can. Two more things that I employ here for strategies in airports, and one is that I remind myself, as hard as this can be sometimes, that hunger is not an emergency. Yes, I might get hungry in the middle of the flight, and I could easily respond by asking for a little bag of pretzels or peanuts, but at the same time, hunger is not an emergency, and I will be just fine until I can get my hands on something that A, I really want to eat, and B, I'm going to feel good about eating. So, you know, it's okay to be a little hungry. It's not going to kill you. You're not going to die. And then I practice this constantly, 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 whether I'm traveling or not. I stay very focused on how my choices will make me feel later on. So instead of making decisions based on how something will feel right now in the moment, I practice asking myself, how am I going to feel about this in a few hours? How am I going to feel about this when I'm laying in bed tonight, right? If I had employed that back when I was binging at the airport, the answer would have been this, like, Okay, yeah, so it might be great to have this cup of super average ice cream out of a machine, but a few hours later, I'm going to be thinking, why did I do that? Ugh, that wasn't even worth it. It wasn't even that good. So now I practice that very regularly, and I make my choices based on wanting to feel really great, not just physically, but mentally, wanting to feel really proud of myself after the fact. 
All right, so let's transition from talking about the airport to talking about hotels. And if you're there for only a night or two, don't sweat it, do the best you can. But if you're there for an extended trip, I think there are some great strategies that you can employ to continue to make good choices in the hotel. Now you have more options if you are checking your suitcase instead of carrying it on the plane because of the liquid restrictions and uh, the weapon restrict restrictions. I'm talking specifically about my immersion blender that would be considered a weapon if I was carrying the bag on, but are totally fine if you check your bag. So. If I'm checking a bag for a longer trip, I will pack what I can. So for this particular trip, you know what I have with me? I have my cold brew coffee because it comes in these little bean bags and I packed them and I packed an empty pitcher, right? And so I make my own cold brew for the room that not only, again, we talked about budget, that helps me save a lot of money, right? I mean, multiple coffees every single day. Um, but it also gives me something that I really look forward to in the morning because if every morning I had to go down to the cafe and get my coffee, then every morning I would have to make the decision, no, Elizabeth, don't get a muffin, don't get a piece of coffee cake, don't get a bagel, you don't need it. Now I completely avoid that temptation because my coffee is coffee I love and it's in my room, right? And sometimes when you go to a hotel, if they, if they give you the complimentary coffee, it's often not very good. Not very good. So if I'm checking a bag, I'll pack whatever I can. My immersion blender often comes with me so I can do bulletproof coffee or coconut oil. Sometimes you can uh, carry on coconut oil. I've had 50-50 success here and I've talked about this before. Sometimes they won't let me put it through because it's considered an oil even though it's solid, which is really, really frustrating. Uh, but other times they will. So, But if I check a bag, I, I will absolutely uh, bring the coconut oil the immersion blender, and whatever else I feel like is going to help me. If I'm not checking a bag, I'll still bring things that help me, whether that's protein bars or protein shakes, things that are going to help me make good choices in my hotel room. Another thing I always ask for is at a minimum, a mini fridge in my room, and when I can, I will get a sweet or um, a room with a kitchenette. And honestly, guys, this is not often more expensive. Sometimes it is, and I'm not talking necessarily presidential suite, but many hotels come standard with a kitchenette, and many hotels come standard with a mini fridge. So when you are planning your trip, if you can, especially if it's a longer trip, really make sure that at a minimum you have that mini fridge and whenever you can, you have that kitchenette or even a full kitchen. It makes such a big difference. Something that I always do when I get to a hotel is I locate the nearest grocery store and I will either walk there if I can or I'll take a cab if it's too far or it's not a safe walk and I will stock up on, on options, on good, clean, healthy options to make me make good choices and part of this is staying true to my goals, but the other part of this is a budget thing. If I can have one or two meals that I really enjoy in my room, that's a big saving compared to eating out for those meals. So uh, for this trip, I was able to walk to the grocery store and I got some veggies, right? You guys saw I posted on Instagram, I got coleslaw mix and there were a lot of questions about coleslaw, why coleslaw? 
coleslaw mix is only coleslaw if you add like mayonnaise and other stuff, which is fine if you want to do that. That's not why I bought it. I bought the coleslaw mix because it was a crunchier, heartier, more fiber rich bed for a salad than if I bought like a bag of lettuce or arugula or mixed greens. So I just prefer the texture and the fiber of shredded cabbage than I do to lettuce. So I bought that. I bought uh, some protein bars. I bought uh, grilled chicken and salmon from the deli section, but you could easily do meats or cheeses if you wanted to. They certainly would last longer. I also got some hormone-free Greek yogurt. And if you have a car, if you've rented a car, you can get a case of water, right? So you're not always nickel and diming to buy water at whatever place you walk by. So that's what I do from a food perspective in the hotels that makes it much, much easier for me. The other thing is how you work out in a hotel. Yeah, you might be away from your gym. You might be away from the class you normally take. You might be away from your trainer. And your gym might not have, or your gym, your hotel might not have a gym. Now, most do, but some don't. Some Sometimes I've been in hotels where they've had a great gym before, but it's under construction and it's not an option. So there are tons of body weight workouts that you can do without equipment in your room. And I posted one of them the other day on Facebook. Facebook and Instagram, you can do an EMOM workout every minute on the minute with just burpees. And the one that I did was a 10-minute EMOM, super, super fast and easy. I guess easy is relative. Seven burpees every minute on the minute. Now, to scale this, you could do, if you, if you want to take on more, you could do 10 burpees every minute on the minute. Or you could do five burpees every minute on the minute. Or you could just say, I'm going to do as many burpees as I can in five minutes, right? You could do it so many different ways. Or if a burpee is not a movement that works for you, you can do body weight squats and sit-ups in your room. You can do dips utilizing two chairs, right? Your legs up on one chair, your hands on the other chair. You can do jumping jacks. You could pack a jump rope. This is something I've done very regularly is pack a jump rope. And you can sometimes you can do it in your room or you could go into the parking garage or you can do it absolutely anywhere with a jump rope. And this is another one that nobody takes advantage of to the fullest extent. The stairwell. All hotels have stairwells. Check the locks. You don't want to get locked in. But uh, the hotel that I'm in right now has 59 stories. The stairs go up to 54. The reason I know that is because yesterday I started at the bottom and I just started climbing, right? And the other thing that I did was 10 flights 10 times. So in one case, I, I wasn't going for maximum speed because I was doing 54 flights, so I paced myself a little bit more. In the other, I jogged, sprinted up 10 flights as fast as I could, and then I recovered for as long as it took, and then I did that 10 times, right? 100 flights of stairs, and it really was pretty quick because I was going as fast as I could for 10 flights, and then I was resting, and then I was doing it again. You could do this with two flights. You could do it with all 54. You could do it all sorts of different ways, or you could just take the stairs instead of taking the elevator every time. Or you can always find a local gym and buy a day pass or a week pass. Get up and do it. Get up early. If you have a jam-packed schedule, it doesn't matter. Get up early. You can get up just 15 minutes early and go to the stairwell and climb from whatever floor you're on until the top and call it a day. There are so many ways. It doesn't have to take a lot of time, but there is never an excuse. You can make them, but does there need to be an excuse? No. Walk to explore new places instead of taking a cab, right? There are so many ways to be active and eat well. 
All right, now let's talk about restaurants. And I am going to link in the show notes to the detailed episode that I did on choices at restaurants, how to make fat loss friendly choices at restaurants. So I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but I am going to talk about some specific strategies related to the fact that we tend to eat out more and more frequently when we are traveling. So if you are doing most of your meals at restaurants on an extended trip, you might want to dial back because restaurant meals tend to be larger portions and more energy dense than when you're eating at home. So if if you just go from three meals and two snacks at home to three meals and two snacks with your meals coming from restaurants, chances are, unless you're really conscious about it, you will by default be eating more right? Because the food is just bigger portions and more energy dense than something you would make at home. So you want to be really conscious about that when you are out. That's why I really encourage grocery staples in your hotel room so that you don't have to do three meals at restaurants unless you really want to. The other thing uh, that that I, I would say about this is sometimes if I'm going out to eat and I'm in my hometown, I will get an entree and a salad. But if I am on a trip, and this is something that, I, that I've kind of had to remind myself of this trip, because the first day I actually, I got an entree and a salad, and I was like, the salads are so much bigger than a salad I would make for myself and more complex and therefore more energy dense, and so is the entree. So I don't really need a salad and an entree. So what I, what I need to do more often of, and what I would encourage you to consider as well, is do maybe a salad with an appetizer or just the salad with added protein or an entree, but you definitely don't need all of them, right? The other thing, and I talked about this a little bit with the airport stuff, is I will regularly employ intermittent fasting when I travel. Now, if this is something that makes you miserable and you hate it and you're starving, don't do it. But if you find, like me, that you just aren't very hungry in the morning, hold off. Wait until you're hungry. It doesn't have to be a strategic intermittent fast. It's just listening to your body. That was my situation yesterday. And I'm not surprised because I was less active than I would be on a normal workout day. Even though I did work out, it was less weight and less time than what I would do at my home gym. So I fasted from about 7 p.m. the previous night until about 1 or 2 the next afternoon. And yes, I had coffee, but it was black, right? And I've done a detailed episode on intermittent fasting that I will link to in the show notes on primalpotential.com for this episode, but that is something that I very regularly employ when I am traveling as well. And as I emphasized in the episode recently on eating out, protein, veggies, and fat still come first and foremost. And I love ordering off the appetizer menu. And I and I did talk about this in detail on the eating out episode, but this is something I'm practicing now with my current travels. Just the other day, I got an oyster appetizer that was two small oysters, not something in and of itself that would hold me over, but I got it with an appetizer salad and I was totally satisfied. And I've seen a lot of other good options on this trip too, beef carpaccio, ahi tuna, grilled shrimp or shrimp cocktail. So Focus on those kinds of strategies, and then just to highlight some additional strategies that I talked about in the episode on eating out, it is all about one degree of improvement, right? If you're going to drink alcohol, skip the carbs. If you're going to go for the carbs, skip the alcohol. If you're going to do starch like pasta or bread, skip the sweets. But if you really want to do the sweets, skip the starch, right? You don't need everything all at once. 
And is it worth it? Am I ordering this because it's here? Am I eating this because it's here? Or is this totally amazing? Is this what I really, really want? If I could have anything at all, would this be it? And if it's not worth it, skip it. And then continue to be very aware of how much fuel your body really needs. If you've been completely inactive sitting on a plane and then sitting in a conference, you just don't need to eat as much as if you were at home in your normal active self. So I hope those strategies are really helpful. If you have questions about them, please, please, please let me know. That is, that's what I want to do. I want to help you answer these questions and find success wherever you are, whether you're at home, whether you're on a plane, whether you're traveling, whether you're at a friend's house, I don't care. I want to help. So let's wrap up with what I ate yesterday. Like I said, I was, I kind of did an unintentional intermittent fast. My morning was primarily coffee, uh, well, exclusively coffee, coffee and water, black coffee. And I do this more when I'm traveling because I'm less active. It just makes my life, life more easy. And then uh, broke my fast in the early afternoon, I think around one or two in the afternoon. I picked up a protein plate from a deli that had uh, some sliced turkey, chicken, a couple pieces of cheese, I only ate one of them, and then a hard-boiled egg and a handful of almonds. So that was a great find that I was really excited about. Then a couple hours later, I had some hormone-free Greek yogurt that I had picked up from my grocery store run. And then dinner in my room was something that I also made for my grocery store run. It was that uh, shredded cabbage that I told you that was the coleslaw mix. And I just used it as the bed for the salmon filet that I had bought at the grocery store. And I was super, super satisfied. It was absolutely delicious. I was satisfied all day long. So I hope this episode was helpful. Again, if you have questions, get on that VIP list, shoot me an email. I want to help. If you have topic suggestions, something I haven't talked about that you want to hear about, let me know and I will do it. So we'll be back in a couple of days and I hope you guys have a great one. Take care.